0: We are so excited to announce that we have opened the doors to our private membership community, the Symposium. Inside the Symposium, you have access to all of our free and paid content, daily prompts to pull to, live monthly workshops, reading room Zooms, and monthly virtual meetups. We also host monthly challenges and have a lively and engaged community, as well as tarot spread and resource libraries. The Symposium is an incredible community of like-minded folks who value the intersection of tarot, mental health, self-reflection, and personal growth. We're really excited to meet you all inside the symposium. So head over to the tarot and click join the symposium today to become a
1: part of our community. You're listening to the tarot diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While
0: this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is
1: not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey Luna. So today's topic, I think, is um, really fun because we don't really have it fully fleshed out, but we liked the title, and I think we're going to go at scoring, which is great. (laughs) We're talking about the idea of the art of unlearning, and I think that this is. Oh, I just got chills just saying it. Really, because. I think it's so much of what we do as therapists and also Mm -hmm. as people, hopefully, is that we learn things and we then have to unlearn them. And the work of the therapist is to help guide people through the process of unlearning. But I mean, nature hates a vacuum. When we unlearn something, we have to replace it with something new. And Mm. that's, you know, a complicated process, but one that's really fun to dive into.
0: Yeah, you did a good job um introducing Thanks. the topic. <laughs> you know, and I was I was thinking about you know as you said the art of unlearning because that's really kind of how this <laughs> this episode came about. We we liked the concept of unlearning and then the title's fun and then I realized too this whole process is very much an art because art mm-hmm. is inherently messy or it's supposed to be. Um and I think learning and unlearning is also messy mm-hmm. and being able to embrace that is an important aspect of unlearning, but it's not always easy. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of us don't want to go down the process of unlearning because we get comfortable in our ability to know what to expect, when to expect it. And we just get comfortable in our, our way of existing.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, and I'm a human and I am comfortable in my way of existing until I realize where the limitations are. And I think that that's what healthy humans do is that we'll kind of stay put with something until Mm -hmm. we realize like, oh, this is not working. And it just occurred to me that it's really interesting to talk about this uh, with tarot. Just this morning, I had somebody reach out to me on Instagram and sort of like, uh, which happens pretty often, actually. Somebody will say, Do you have any advice on how to get started? And I try to answer those messages when I can. Like sometimes I don't, but like I try to. And I was, so I thought about my process in learning tarot and how much that was a process of learning and unlearning. I tend to be very rigid when I first began learning something, I want to know what the rules are, which is funny because I'm not really a rule follower, um, as Shannon <laughs> will tell you. But <laughs> I kind of want to know the the lines, like what are the rules? What are we doing? What's the objective? And once I learn that and I sort of am like, okay, I've got it, then there's this whole process of saying, okay, now I have to throw that all in the garbage and take just the gems of it and build from there. And I think that that, we see that in the tarot practice so much that in the beginning, we're like, let me learn all of the cards and it gets like really uptight, yeah, right? Wow. Like I'm going to learn the cards, but then we have to learn how to read, which is different.
0: Oh yeah. That's a really good way to describe, <laughs> to kind of combine both, both topics because, yeah, I mean, cause tarot, just like, you know, therapy it's, you have your own little, little world. That's kind of like a microcosm when you're talking about learning and unlearning it, it's interesting because I was thinking about my own tarot practice and how the way I viewed certain cards, I don't know, a couple of years ago versus how I view them now mm-hmm. and, and how I might view them in six months is going to be so different, but I'm okay with that. And it's almost exciting to me, but some people it's not exciting and it's a really <laughs> scary process. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, it's interesting thinking about how maybe some of us are more also open to that idea and other people might be more closed off to it.
1: I mean, I think so true. And also I think it depends on the circumstance, you know, like maybe you are open to learning how to cook and you find that exciting, like the innovations where, but like you're really closed around learning how to read tarot or maybe right. you're really open about like learning how to run. I don't know. I'm making it up, but there's something else that is difficult. And I think that that's okay too.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and we're talking about kind of just, you know, thing you know, we're talking about tarot and cooking, but like really <laughs> we could take this even deeper and say, oh, yeah. you know, unlearning is really looking at, you know, the ideas and belief systems, even the behaviors that we engage in that we've kind of like accumulated or learned throughout our life, especially during childhood from our family or our peers or the schools we went to or, you know, the neighborhoods we grew up in, you know, and trying to figure learning is essentially trying to figure out what feels right about what we know and who we are and what might need to be edited or, I don't know, maybe
1: tossed out entirely. That's so good. So good. You, I mean, you just got into it. That was it. I think we should pull a card because I'm about to start like down a whole other path. What do you think? (laughs) Let's go for it. Okay. You're still moving. So let me guess, Tarot Vintage? (laughs) Of course. So I'm excited to hear what you're using. (laughs) Um, I did the thing where I sat down without having picked out a deck. So then I had to kind of pick from the box. I'm going to use the Art of Tarot by Liz Dean, which is a deck that I don't, Think is particularly impressive, but whenever I post on Instagram, people are like, "What deck is that?" It only oh, has pip cards. Like it has the majors, and like the minor cards are um, don't have images on it. But um, oh, okay, I don't know. It's kind of a nice deck in some ways. So we're gonna try that. What are we asking here today? Oh, I don't know. I was just gonna pull a card. Oh, perfect. Let's unlearn on that one.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hmm, interesting. I never pull this card. What you get? Um, two of swords. Oh, but it makes sense. I get that card all the time. (laughs) I know you do. Yeah. (laughs) This is like your card. Um, what'd you pull? I got nine of cups, nine of cups. Interesting.
1: Yeah, Let's start with that. Two of swords.
0: <laughs> Linda's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to sit with this one. So, okay, yeah, two of swords. I feel like it's kind of an easy card for this. I mean, okay, you have two, you know, you have options, two different ways of being. But I guess I kind of want to talk about swords because this topic does feel very sword slash cup heavy. Which is interesting. So, because I, I, not always, I, the past few episodes, I haven't, but I tend to pull cards to guide the episode ahead of time. I'll just pull like four or five cards and have them out in front of me because it helps me figure out what I even want to say. And all of the cards I pulled are cups, except one major. So, I'm happy a sword came out <laughs> because I feel <laughs> like the topic is naturally swordsy. But yeah, I don't, I can't remember the last time I even this card, but it does make sense because, you know, this person's blindfolded and it could maybe potentially be this ultimate unlearning card because you're kind of having to analyze maybe what you've been taught about yourself and... The world and compare that to new ideas that you're forming. So, you know, you have one sword over here, which is representative of your current state or your former state. And then you have another sword that could be representing new ideas or new experiences that you had that are challenging who you are currently. And that can be kind of overwhelming though, but I, it's interesting that the person's blindfolded because I wonder if that also maybe represents some inherent resistance to changing or unlearning.
1: Yeah, I'm still formulating some thoughts on it. What about you? I mean, that's super interesting, right? When I was like, we need to pull a card is because I wanted to start talking about schema therapy. And I think that Mm. this This card really can be representative of it in that, in the image, I'll talk about the image first and then the therapy, the image, and we've talked about this a little bit before. It's a person sitting on a bench on solid ground, but behind them is the water and the water is a little, it's not crazy waves, but it's choppy. And I think that this is the thing that we see when we talk about unlearning is that it's not just us sitting here on a bench. It's sitting us sitting here on a bench trying to make a decision or trying to figure out what thoughts to think. But right behind us is an ocean filled with choppy water. And if we ignore that ocean or don't give it its due or don't realize, mm-hmm. hey, I'm getting like splashed by the waves here and like I got, you know, seagull poop in my hair or whatever, mm-hmm. like if we don't pay attention to that, it's very hard our thinking, and this is what schema therapy is all about. It, it's a theory that was developed in the 1990s, and it's a, a blended approach of um, a lot of different theories, including cognitive behavioral and gestalt and object relation. It's kind of a blending of it, and brings a lot of the counselor into the room. In terms of let's look at what a, a schema is, basically a thought, a thought structure that a person develops usually very young in their life or like in childhood or adolescence, that that is their way of viewing the world. And it's like in Mm -hmm. this theory, it is maladaptive. It is a, I I am worthless and will always be treated like garbage by others kind of idea. Like that this is a fact, that this is the way it is. I learned this in childhood and this is the truth. And in schema therapy, we break that down and we say, we don't think that that's the truth. But we kind of have to turn around and look at the ocean before we can begin to move forward.
0: Oh, I love what you... There were two things you said about the water in this card um, that stuck out to me. Um, First, kind of acknowledging that we need to pay attention to it. And then that last line right there, which now I'm, I'm looking at this card and realizing kind of lends itself perfectly to the wise mind concept Mm. where one sword represents, you know, in wise mind, we talk about this all the time with dialectical behavior therapy. So one sword representing the logical or reasonable mind and one sword representing the emotional mind. And then the ocean could be this large body of wisdom, which is overlapping them both. Oh, wow. And, you know, this person's, you know, blindfolded and turned away from it. So, ooh, yeah, there's some good stuff there. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good card. Yeah, and now I'm like, what the hell are you going to say about Nine of Cups? I, I have <laughs> I, I have an idea, but I'm curious where you're going to go with it. I have an idea,
1: too. Can I ask your idea first?
0: Yeah, I, my first thought about Nine of Cups is a sense of entitlement. That's how I'm going oh, to read it. It might, be, it might be more of a reverse Nine of Cups, where perhaps you... Are really set in the in your belief system or the way you exist in the world. And even if you're presented with another idea or way of being that maybe challenges the effectiveness of the way you're you're living, or maybe the truth of what you or maybe presents you with truth that you are trying to deny, because you're kind of sitting there with all your cups behind you, right? And you've got this like smug look on your face, and you're kind of just like, "Mm, no, I've got everything I need. I don't, you know. I don't need any of that information or I don't need to give any of this away. Like I'm good right where I'm at. So there might be this level of, um, yeah, kind of like an, I don't know, entitlement or selfishness. Like, uh, like I don't need any more knowledge. I don't need to drop any of this and learn something new. That's really interesting. Kind of the shadow aspect
1: of that. That's what came up for me though. That's really interesting. I wanted to ask what you thought so I could stall obviously. (laughs) Um, It's tough. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, and I'm sure I'm really actually like, dude, I'm, the lady sitting on the bench with the two swords right now because like I'm sort of having a thing I'm having a moment I will acknowledge because it feels appropriate that the topic is unlearning and we're like this is fun to like change the way you do things but the truth is when you change the way you do things it feels really uncomfortable and I'm having a moment in that when we do these podcasts I'm pulling cards for the podcast like this is like These aren't my cards, except for every once in a while, one pops up. This card right here feels very much like it's supposed to be for me. And that feels really like I'm having this moment. I'm starting to get a little shaky. I'm starting to feel a little nervous Mm. about doing this differently and me talking a little bit about a card that's mine, because that's not what, that's not how we do the podcast. And so there's this moment of sort of unlearning how do I do the podcast when a personal card comes up. Does that make sense? What I just said? Yeah. Yeah, Yes. I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I do think it's a personal card. I think that the nine of cups is something I'm going through right now around the concept of, um, having things collected and the value of having things collected or how much pleasure they give you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, does have to do with, I have elderly parents and my parents, I I don't have, it's my dad and my stepmom. I don't have a great relationship. There's a lot of sort of money stuff there. And as they're in the process of moving, there's this issue around what goes to whom. And I sort of have said, I don't want anything. And then there's sort of a, but don't you want this? And then I sort of noticed that my grandmother's silver tea set is about to go up to auction. And I say, do you think I could have that also? But then they're like, you know, it just kind of goes back and forth. And there's a real personal unlearning that I'm going through around the value of things and being able to acknowledge, I want that tea set really because it was important to my grandmother and not necessarily because I could sell it but there is also a value there. And I recognize that there's probably a part of me that looks a little greedy. Anyway, like there's this whole thing and it's very odd for me to have that card come up as we're trying to do the bod- podcast. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Help.
0: Oh. oh, it's interesting. Hmm. I'm thinking of one of the cards that I pulled to guide the episode, which kind of ties into family stuff in terms of unlearning, which was the six of cups. Mm. So I might respond based on that nine of cups with the six of cups, because I think so much of unlearning, even especially like the work that we do in therapy does have a strong six of cups component because when we're kids, you know, we view our, our caregivers or even like <laughs> the things that we see growing up, like, you know, this, this silver tea set that belonged to your grandmother, we we view it in different ways and we, we learn to view things maybe when we're younger as valuable, but we don't realize that they're actually valuable or they don't hold value to us until we're older. And I think to maybe go back to the six of cups in terms of how I'm viewing it with just kind of an overall view of unlearning is... We also view our parents as all knowing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think maybe what you're experiencing too is interesting because, you know, when we're growing up, there's a sense of safety and comfort in the mindset of our parents know what's best and we have to, or our caregivers, and we have to follow what they say or do what they say or believe what they say. And we need that in order to grow and develop. But eventually, you know, we get to an age where we can be confronted with the idea that their beliefs or what they believe to be true or their way of living actually contradicts what we now feel is true to us. And then there's, I guess there's like a reconciliation that we have to go through with that too. Like we're unlearning and then relearning a whole way of being, but we also have to reconcile that our caregivers or our loved ones May still be existing in that same thought process or space that they were when we were younger, and then there's this disconnect that happens. Okay. so there's kind of like, oh, like <laughs> there's a lot of learning, unlearning, but also losing and gaining that is inherent with an unlearning that can happen across all different aspects of the phases that you're in in life, like you're talking about your elderly parents and trying to figure out you know what things that you know you want to hold on to that are hold sentimental value to you. Yet you could also say, well, now I'm having to let go of this aspect of this relationship I had with my parent because our belief systems are, are so different. And now I don't have this connection with them that I used to because we're just on totally different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm just trying to process still. This is a, interesting topic. There's a lot that I feel like we could be talking about 10 different things at once. I
1: think that's totally true. And so I'm going to go a little bit with your six of cups, like, because we could do, turn this into a therapy session about me, but like, which in a way I'm kind of like, Shannon, help me. Um, <laughs> but I don't think we necessarily need to. I th- do kind of want to just say like, that's a funny thing that just happened to me because like the smugness of this person sitting in front of these cups with the folded arm and the smile, like to me really is very striking. That is a question of like, is that me? Is that my father? What is our relationship with those cups? Is it smug or is it pleasure? Like, it's really like, it feels so highly personal, but what I think you're saying by bringing the Six of Cups in it is so, so spot on and does loop back to that concept of schema therapy because in that type of therapy, and actually in really all of the humanist therapies that have been around since the seventies, the idea is that we replace one figure with another. So the Six of Cups is a very sweet image. But I mean, we could imagine that this little girl who or this little child who's receiving these flowers might have actually had a childhood where there was nothing given. But Mm -hmm. then when we work through the work of a therapist, or it could be a close friend, or it could be a mentor, it could be anybody. When somebody shows up and says, here, here are some flowers, they are for you. Now there is an unlearning process. We can change the schema and say, there are people in this world who will want to gift me some flowers because they're good, because I'm good, because I'm worthy of flowers and I'm worthy of love. That's a powerful schema to work through.
0: You know, I think I love the direction you're going because that is really, gosh, it's been the root of... (laughs) my therapy practice. And it's interesting because I feel like even in the workshop that we did in the symposium recently on depression versus burnout, self-worth came up a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's something that has been just overwhelming my practice in the last two months. I feel like 70 to 80% of the sessions that I'm doing lately are all about unlearning this idea that we're unworthy. And it brings me to, I know, right? The One major that I pulled was the reverse tower. And I think that blends in nicely with what you were just talking about. This idea that we you know, if you're receiving these flowers and you're not used to receiving them, you could also approach that as the reversed tower, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. level of resistance, trying to prevent something from happening because it doesn't feel safe because you're not used to it. And so you, if someone's giving you flowers, you might start to feel suspicious. Well, what do you want from me? Why are you giving me flowers? This doesn't make sense. Um, And then having to learn to accept those flowers and of course we're using the flowers as a metaphor at this point um, it could be anything it could be affection it could be quality time it could be love it could be words of affirmation whatever it, it, it's really overwhelming and so we don't realize it but we put these blocks and these rigid barriers up um, to prevent something because it doesn't feel safe because that's not what we're used to we're used to being you know ignored or not given given flowers and it can be really terrifying to even think about releasing an idea or belief that, right. you know, is now a core belief of ourself because that's how we've existed our entire life. And then trying to create something new, it's like, oh, now I have to formulate a whole new identity. I have to not be this person who doesn't need anything because that's really what this boils down to when you're not given much your core belief is I don't need anything that's right that's not true so yeah this reverse tower is really interesting I'm glad it came up because I think it can be an overwhelming card but here I think it's a really emotional card
1: and loving where you're going with this. This is like intense. And as you're, you're talking about it, I'm realizing that I've done a, a number of sessions this week that are our reverse tower in a, a perhaps a slightly different way. I've been doing a lot of work with people recently around the idea of negative thinking because, mm-hmm. which is, you know, based on it's a thought pattern that needs to be unlearned and people hang on really tight to that negative thinking. Mm-hmm. really, really tight. And they hang on tight because it's all that they know. And I did like, maybe three really intense sessions this week where my job was to show up and challenge the thought and say, okay, tell me, is that thought pattern that you have, is that working? This is reality therapy. Is that actually working for you? We have a lot of data that the way you think about the world does not serve you well you believe that it's keeping you safe in some way. You believe Mm -hmm. that to think something different would put you at risk. I'm asking, and this is where it becomes relationships. This is where it's, it's the six of cups. I'm asking you to listen to me say that I have evidence that thinking a different way or allowing yourself to do that reverse tower and not catastrophize everything, not think that the world is out to get you, not think that you're garbage, not think that inevitably these horrible things are going to happen. I'm asking for your faith that me saying that changing your thinking will actually improve your life. And it's incredibly challenging when I say that, because these are people who I've worked with a lot and they have to like wrestle this two of swords moment between, do I believe what my mind is telling me? Or do I believe this person who has been sitting with me for months or years, who is challenging me and telling me that there's a different thing? It causes a huge dissonance and it is kind of a tower moment, but it's a turning that tower upside down of, I'm not going to think this way anymore. And it's huge. It's really hard
0: work. I think the other component there is acknowledging that you're supposed to be uncomfortable. You're supposed to be scared. You're supposed to be in this limbo period as this happens, because the reality is the thought of creating something new and being unsure of, or creating something new or just letting something fall like the tower and, and not being able to predict what the rubble's going to look like or mm-hmm. where it's going to fall how much the cleanup's going to be is is overwhelming and it's not predictable whereas the way you've been thinking for so long or the way you've been existing is predictable yes and that's where you want to stay but that's exactly the point growth is supposed to be uncomfortable so i think you know the other component there is just saying hey i'm right here next to you you
1: can be uncomfortable but be uncomfortable next to me we can figure this out together Okay. That's so powerful. And so like, we're really holding up why therapy is good. Yeah. <laughs> <guess therapist>. so. <laughs> and I will point out that like therapists are good at this because we were trained to do it, but you can do this work with a, with a partner, with a friend, with a mentor, you know, but you can also, one can do this on their own to a degree. I mean, I want to, Go back to the idea of the art of unlearning because, okay, so like this sounds great, everything we just said, but how do we do it? One way we Mm -hmm. do it is we find somebody who will, who views the world differently than we do and can walk us through it. And that's really incredibly powerful. But I think that there are some other ways to do it too. I cut the deck a second ago and I pulled Ace of Swords. And I think that one way to do it is that we can challenge ourselves with a new idea. And sort of say, I'm willing to consider the possibility that something else might be accurate. And I can do that work actually on my own by continuously challenging myself or asking myself these new ideas.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And the more I think about this topic, you know, the art of unlearning earlier, I said it's very, to me felt very cups and swords heavy. I think it's also very page heavy and I'm Mm. bummed I didn't pull any pages, but, you know, there's this level of curiosity and newness that exists within this topic and being able to practice curiosity is really at the core of this and, and wondering, well, what don't I know or what haven't I thought of, or what's a new way of existing that I haven't considered that might Give results that are really what I'm looking for in life, but haven't received yet. So it's also being able to ask, like you said, ask yourself questions and just wonder what else could be. And I think that that's where tarot is really helpful too. I know we've been talking a lot about therapy, but you know, tarot gives us the opportunity to pull cards and and explore ideas or storylines and you know daydream or fantasize or come up with you know, a whole idea based on a spread. And then you're able to sit and think, Oh, well, if this happened, then I would do this, or I could be this, or I could be that without having to actually like go out in the world right away and and do it. There's kind of tarot kind of offers this like comfortable buffer of exploration, <laughs> you know, and then you have the community too, where you can bounce ideas off of. So yeah, another powerful tool, I guess, when it comes to unlearning, because you never know what card's going to come up and they also help challenge our thoughts and ways of being. Um, I know I've experienced several times when, you know, I've been stuck in a mindset and I pulled a card and been like, oh shit. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. I see what I need to do now. And that's gonna suck, but it's what's the, for the best.
1: I love where you just went with that. It was so so I'm just kind of like mm-hmm. sitting here like, Shannon's so smart. Like that is exactly right. That is why tarot, like that's why we love tarot and why we encourage it for people, is because that is a way of doing this personally, of having having your thoughts quick quickly derailed by pulling a card that doesn't make any sense that breaks your schema
0: right you know there's there's another component of this that we haven't talked about that I feel like we we should and it's what's going to happen when you do start to unlearn things in your life mm. how you're going to feel and how you're going to behave and also how the people around you might feel and behave Two other cards, two other rever- almost all reversals that I pulled today um, were <laughs> that feels on point, <laughs> right? Yeah. King of Cups reversed and Three of Cups reversed. So, wait, can
1: you say that again? Three of Cups, yeah,
0: Three of Cups reversed and King of Cups reversed. So, King of Cups reversed came out first, and I think that card is probably the most accurate representation of what can happen to us or the people around us when we are in that unlearning process because. Either we might become cold and aloof because new information that we've learned might fill us with anger or resentment towards people who perhaps taught us what we are currently unlearning Mm. or the opposite, Mm. which is usually kind of what I tend to see more of the people around you might start to feel threatened by your growth or new knowledge or ways of being. So then they become cold, aloof, or even volatile towards you
1: because they don't approve of your new way of being or, or seeing or ex- existing in the world. That's really clever how you just did that. And I think you, you summarize that really well, but I, I think I would also say, and this is okay. This is mm-hmm. sort of like, it's this, the, these are the symptoms of healing kind of like, yes. you know, like a, like a cut oozing, you know, yeah. like that's good. Where you gotta go is, through the process. Yeah. This yeah. is the process. steps. And you know, like <laughs> being aware that if you're getting Uh, bad feedback from people like, okay, it might be because they're the, the, these people no longer serve you. And it also might just be because you're being a brat and that's okay. You're allowed to be a brat as you're in the process of growth, because that's what happens when we grow is that we're exhausted. That's that page energy, that young curiosity energy is, you know, kids need a lot of naps because they're like, they wear themselves out with all the growth, growth that they're doing all the time.
0: Yeah, it's a good, I like that you brought up, (laughs) because I didn't think about that, um, you know, how we might be behaving and then, then the consequences of that. So if we're unlearning and we're resentful and we're angry, and then maybe we're lashing out at people, that's sure. Great. Glad you're unlearning things and trying to figure out what the most authentic way of existing in this world is for you. But that doesn't give you permission to treat other people like shit because they're not existing in the way that you're trying to exist now.
1: Right. But you know, what's so interesting. Oh my God, I'm going to go personal again. This is a new kind of episode. What's so interesting is that there is something to be learned in the way that you're being a brat that we shouldn't just throw it away and say, Oh, well, like you're just in a bad mood and you're just crabby. There is when you're doing something, you're acting out. And what is it that you're actually acting out? I mean, this just happened to me. I took my kid out to do some back-to-school shopping as we're driving home he's playing animal crossing and he's talking about like talking to his villagers in this, like it's his game where that's ridiculously nice. And he sometimes does mean things to the other people in the video game. And I started teasing him because he's a very sweet kid. He's very, very kind and him doing something kind of cheeky or mean in the game is very out of character And so I started really kind of like picking at him over this. And at the end of the car, I I acknowledged it. I was like, I'm sorry. Like I'm just tired. And then he said, I know you must be tired because you never tease me. Like you never pick like that. I mean, it was all good hearted. I wasn't being a real jerk about it, but like it was out of character for me. And it was nice to have him understand like you're tired. But the reason I'm tired is because I've been sort of dealing with a bunch of my own stuff. The point of this is, by the way, I'm looping back around, is that the reason why, like, what was I picking about? I was picking about the idea of, but you're so nice. Why are, like, why are you being mean now? Which is precisely what I was doing. I like, it, I was acting out the behavior that I was accusing him of. And that is something that I need to look at, that maybe I struggle a little bit with being a little bit too nice all the time
0: it's interesting because i'm looking at
1: <laughs> so you know with video games it gives us an opportunity
0: to explore and be versions of ourselves that we wouldn't actually be in the real world. Mm -hmm. You know, I do a lot of work with couples on relationships and sex and sexuality, and this is something that comes up all the time. Like when we're talking about sex and, you know, specifically like kinks and fetishes, like that's, there's ways that we can exist in that area of our life that we wouldn't exist in our day-to-day life. And video games are the same way. So it's just, um, a way to explore the human condition. Um, but it's interesting that I brought up for you and made you kind of think like, Oh, am I, and when you say being too nice, like, am I allowing people to um, maybe take advantage of me, for example, is that something I need to unlearn that I mm-hmm. do need to maybe put my foot down more something, something like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something like that. It's just that the acting out, and I think that you're right. Like we, if we do something in a video game, that's not like who we are normally, or if we're acting out a role-playing act- activity and it like is not our normal way, there's so much information there that we do shouldn't be ashamed of or scold ourselves or, oh, that wasn't nice. Why? Why? What part of me is trying to, and this is an unlearning. Oh, I am so nice. I would never do that. Is that true? Or do I need to unlearn that? Is there a part of me that is mean that I've been suppressing or are, is that nice sort of part of a persona? What do I need to unlearn in that moment? And then, How do I do that in a way that feels, it can feel a little disconcerting, but doesn't feel like a tower moment that does sort of feel like I'm okay with stepping forward into a new type of thinking.
0: Yeah. I think this goes back to, you know, I feel like the word we like to use a lot, at least I do is editing. And Mm. a lot of times especially when I'm doing couples work too, it's about like, this isn't about letting go in terms of, you know, starting over or becoming a brand new person or, you know, a completely fresh start in your relationship. It's cause I hear that all the time. Yeah. Like, Oh, we'll just do this and it'll be a totally new thing. Or I'm going to, you know, dye my hair and be a totally different person. It's it's about just like being comfortable, constantly going back and, and editing, crossing things out, rewriting and, and having the flexibility to know that everything is constantly a work in progress and whatever you're unlearning right now and relearning, you might end up unlearning the new thing, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, in like six to 12 months or whatever. Um, so it's really just about con- knowing that you're a constant work in progress and that there is no... <laughs> kind of end, end in sight. That sounds kind of ominous, <laughs> but, but there's also like an exciting component of that. Like, Oh, you know, who do I want to experiment existing as, or behaving, you know, over the next couple months and, and seeing, just trying things on to see if they fit and being okay with trying things on, not feeling like you have to, you know, be this the same way that you've been for so long.
1: I mean, I love the way you're talking about it. And it's so I feel almost like a broken record at this point, because I have to turn to the fool and say, this is the fool's journey. This is what we do. And this is why tarot is so helpful, is that we need to acknowledge that it is always time for us always to be on the lookout for changes and curves in the roads and steep cliffs and keep our eyes forward and say, like, well, what? what's next? What else do I have to learn? And I think if we actually just kind of go through the cards and see which of these cards are archetypal representations of things that we are, have not explored yet or explored in an incomplete way before, and that we need to relearn, That's a great way of engaging with unlearning, taking a card that meant one thing to you before and realizing, wow, it can mean this completely other thing.
0: I I love where you're going with that. That could be a really powerful exercise. I mean, you could go through the whole deck and say, okay, what about this card exists in my life currently that maybe isn't helpful that I need to unlearn? And what about this card is helpful that either does exist in my life or I want to exist in my life that I can learn?
1: Oh, wow. I see a spread coming.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at the Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.